welcome to My Brain is a Wonderland, a podcast for neurodivergent women and the people who love them. My name is Emily, and you are listening to the second feature-length episode of My Brain is a Wonderland, and today I wanted to talk about the way that I talk. My accent, my inflections, um, the way I enunciate, all that kind of stuff. It's actually something that people with autism, I'm not sure if people with ADHD talk about this, but people with autism talk about it. I see it online a lot, anecdotally, about how we emulate, people with autism emulate what others say. They don't necessarily get their accents and way of talking from their family. They sometimes will get them from TV shows they're watching or other places of authority for some reason. And I looked up online to see what there was about this kind of thing. And honestly, there wasn't much out there. There weren't any studies that I could find regarding this issue. There were things about speech delays um, and maybe speech impediments, maybe like a lisp or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what they meant by that. But there wasn't anything about um, accent, uh, taking on the way other people speak, other accents, and not speaking like your family. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit, my experience with it and um, how I speak. And also, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about this early on in the podcast, just in case anyone is wondering why I talk the way that I do, or if something sounds not typical or not like you thought it would sound. Let's start in my childhood, where I grew up. I am English. I was born and raised in London, England. My Mother is English, born and raised. My grandmother was born in England, but her father was Irish, and my maternal grandfather was Welsh. On my father's side, everyone is Scottish, so my dad was from Scotland, and all of his family is, but I was born and bred in England. I, growing up, had a variety of accent changes. I don't think they're present now because I've been affected by the American accent and other things in my life, but when I was in elementary school, I had the same teacher for grade one and grade three, so age six and age eight. Her name was Miss Brown, or Ms. Brown, I'm not sure. She was from Ireland, so she had an Irish accent. I'm not sure if she was from Ireland or Northern Ireland. Um, if you don't know what that means, Google that. But I'm not exactly sure where she was from, but she had an Irish accent. And I was picked in grade three. In grade three, that we always do the nativity play in my school. We're the oldest of the lower elementary kids, so we do the nativity play, which is the story of Jesus in the manger, blah, blah, blah. And I was picked to be the star, the North Star, okay? And the North Star is basically the narrator. You're in every scene because you're over the whole thing as a star, and you are the narrator. So they p probably picked me because I'm, I was confident, loud when I was a child, 
I was an achiever, so I could learn lines and just say them easily. And so, um, you know, you see me in some of these things on video where I'm advising other kids or telling them their lines on stage as they forget them. I'm loudly whispering to them, not realizing I'm loudly whispering, you know, I'm no one can tell I'm whispering your lines to you. Um, but I would know everyone's line. I was very clear when I talked, you know, you'll see some kids in the video are very mousy, you know, like how you would imagine most kids to be, scared to be on stage, kind of nervous. I was very uh, comfortable being on stage for some reason. And so they had me be the star. And I'd been, this was would probably be Christmas grade three. So I'd already been with this teacher for grade one, was with a different teacher I didn't like in grade two. And then had been with this new teacher for maybe three or four months or so. I'm, picture this, I'm eight years old, super cute, wearing gold lame pants, thank you very much. I think a gold shirt of some kind, and a gold star sandwich board, that's me as the star, and I'm flapping my wings, because duh, I'm flying, I'm a star, so I'm flapping my hands. Sounds kind of funny now to think about that, that that is also sometimes seen as a sign of autism. I don't know if I did that regularly, but the the fact that I chose to flap my arms is kind of interesting now looking back on it. But I was flapping my arms in these gold lame pants, and I walk up, I'm the first line in the play, and I walk up to Mary and Ireland, I'm sorry. And I literally said, Hello, Mary! This is Angel Gabriel Star." Yeah. I'm not going to say that's how Ms. Brown talked, but I definitely had taken on the Irish accent and was now using it, not consciously. I mean, this is something that my family would laugh about, that you could see on video some other one of our friends um whose kid was in the show too had a camcorder back then this would have been 1994 95 and so we have this on vhs and it's absolutely ridiculous to people why i had done this had taken this accent on and it's just so strange when you see it knowing me now if you can hear me now i don't speak with an irish accent at all i don't think Though some people will often ask me if I'm Irish, try to pin down my accent. I don't think I actually speak with an Irish accent. It's quite interesting to see that it's so natural to me. It's not something I'm putting on, and I continue throughout this play with a slight Irish accent. I think just because that's the opening line, that it comes out quite forcefully, and maybe it seems surprising, so I remember that the most. But I talk throughout the play with this accent. I don't know if I was talking that way all the time, or if this was just something that I had unconsciously adopted for the play. I definitely take on different voice roles for different things. So in my personal life, in the US where I live now, I've been here for almost 15 years, and here in the US, many people will be confused about where I'm from. They might ask me, are you from the northeast of England? You sound like a Kennedy. 
Um, or they'll ask me, you know, you sound like you're from the South, but it's kind of, a, is it Louisiana? Because there's a bit of French there. And then I've been in California. And so I have some of the colloquialisms from California and that will confuse people. But now, as I'm talking on this podcast, what I tend to do, which I've noticed, is have quite an enunciated way of speaking. So I'll pronounce all of my T's at the end of my words because I'm trying to enunciate. And I'm not doing that even thinking about that, actually. It's just this role I've already given myself, I think, for this particular case that I'm doing. And this is how I sound. I'm not putting on an accent. I think I sound mostly English with a spattering of American in there. I just said there. That's not how an English person would say it. So I have a mostly English, I think, with the spattering of the American. And I don't mean to put that on at all. It's just how it comes out. And I'm enunciating a lot because I know I'm talking in this kind of performative way almost, I guess. Um, If I was talking in public, this is probably what would come out without even thinking. And so, back to the accent I had. I had this Irish accent. It must have went away at some point in grade four, I'm going to guess, or over the summer even. I don't know how long it would last for. Now I don't have that. That being said, throughout my childhood in the UK, up until I first came to America, when I was 19, I had been asked where I was from in Australia. I would often be asked by co-workers or employers or classmates, are you from Australia? Where are you from in Australia? I was one time asked by a regional manager when I was 17 or 18, where are you from in Australia? And I said to him, I'm not from Australia. And he was not, he thought I was lying. He thought I was joking. He couldn't see any way that I wasn't from Australia because of the way that I spoke. And when I was in the UK living there, or any UK person will know, and Australian people will know, that we have a reciprocal media in a lot of ways. We're both Commonwealth countries. We have a history. So there's lots of English people in Australia and lots of Australian people in England. We will have a lot of soap operas and media music come over from Australia. So I used to watch a very famous soap opera in the UK that's an Australian soap opera. You probably guessed it if you're English. It's Neighbours. I didn't watch Home and Away, really. I watched a bit of Heartbreak High, but I watched Neighbours obsessively. I even had my hair cut like one of the characters when I was nine years old. I'll do an episode about hair and talk about that. but. I was obsessed with Neighbours. I watched it every day. I believe it was on twice a day um, at some point, so you could catch it if you were kind of a stay-at-home mom character or, you know, a student. You could catch it during the day for the lunchtime, and then it was on at like five or something, so you could catch it after work or after school. And so sometimes I would watch this twice a day, and it went on. I think it's still going on, but it's about to end. And it went on for decades, and lots of famous people, actors, came out of that show that are now in Hollywood that you would know of. That is where I got my Australian accent from. I wasn't talking like my family. I was talking like a TV show that I was watching every day, which is kind of 
interesting to think about. I don't think, I mean, you tell me, are you neurotypical? Are you neurodivergent, neurodiverse? Contact me. My information will be at the end of this episode. Tell me, have you ever done this? Have you ever unconsciously taken on the accent of a TV show you were watching, an authority figure that had a different accent to your family, and just done it, and it wasn't performative, it wasn't chosen, you just did it? Contact me and let me know. I would love to hear from you. I think this is a really interesting topic that people don't talk about or really know about. Another thing I wanted to talk about was tone in the way that I talk and in the way that a lot of autistic people are seen to talk or do talk. I have been accused or noted as having a very monotone voice. And I don't know if that's coming through now. What I tend to have done in the past, because of this, because people have told me that you have a monotone voice, I've had people make fun of me to my face and say, you know, imitate me. Uh, 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 uh. I had someone do that to me one time who was supposed to be a friend, a co-worker. People noticed that. And I have worked now, I think, in a masking way, and maybe it's a bit of my ADHD, and also I'm a bit of a performer, that I've created this kind of sing-songy voice. This voice that is very, I don't know if inflective is a word, Um, it has a lot of hills and valleys to it, and I know that, and I know that if I'm not doing that, it's usually because I'm shutting down you might encounter that if from me if you met me in a social situation that I wasn't happy about, that I was freaking out about. My voice might start coming out monotone. I tend to do it more when I can't mask, right? When I'm stressed, because um, masking just comes naturally to me now. Because like I'm saying, I know that people have heard it and they find it strange that I'm monotone. And then I've been told more recently that, oh, you have such a great voice, you have such a sing-songy voice, you should be an actress or something, because my my inflection goes up and down and has a lot of emotion to it, and this is really just things that I've learned, that I know from observing people who are good at talking, which is usually just extroverts, Um, When I worked in the professional dance industry, I was around a lot of extroverts who could talk in a very commanding and emotional, authentic way. And it was very easy for me to learn from them how to talk and to just imitate them. That's another gift of mine that if I hear an accent or the way someone talks, I can imitate it almost immediately, word for word, inflection for inflection. So that is not an issue for me. That might be something that you struggle with. I'd love to hear about that. If you've struggled with sounding monotone, people, um, you know, one of the things that when I'm shutting down, my husband or someone might ask me, like, are you okay? And I'll just say, I'm fine. I'm fine. And when I'm saying that, I honestly mean that. What I mean, what I mean is what I say, and what I say is what I mean. I mean I am fine. 
but because I'm not going, I'm fine. Or maybe that sounded fake. I don't know. Did that sound fake? Um, or, you know, you say it with some kind of inflection to let them know you're happy. It's what I call putting an emoji on it, right? It's what I do with my words. When I write them, I put a lot of emojis so I can communicate emotion. The inflection is the emoji, is telling them, no, I am actually fine. I'm totally fine. But I'm, if I'm just saying I'm fine, and my face is giving plain, just because maybe I can't mask right then, it's early in the morning, or I'm needing a moment alone, but I really am fine. I'm just chilling out. I'm just mm, zoning. It may come across that I'm actually angry and I'm lying. When I'm not, I'm totally fine, but I don't know how to, in that moment, smile. I'm not a big smiler. Um, when you see me on screen, on camera, I talk without smiling, which has always been an issue when I was a performer, or if I had to do videos for work, or speak on the news, or things like that. I don't know this thing that people do, how they smile while they're talking. It doesn't work for me, doesn't feel natural, I feel like a crazy person, and so then instead, I'm just talking with no facial expression at all neither happy nor sad, it's just very plain, and that comes across as very angry. That is another thing about potentially being autistic, is people misinterpreting your emotions, even though you feel like you're very clear with expressing your emotions because you say exactly what they are. The problem can be, I feel, is that a lot of um, neurotypical people talk with these understood underlying social rules and one of them is that you're not completely forthright all the time maybe that you kind of sugarcoat things that you do things you're expected to do I hate to do that you know I don't want to necessarily talk to everyone all day when I go into work but maybe that's expected of you, right? So neurotypical people understand that and are more willing to do that and able to, I think. And neurodivergent people struggle with that more. And now when I talk, I feel, like I said, that I have the English with a smattering of the American. I had a big adjust adjustment period when I moved to the U.S., People would make fun of my accent on the phone, would not understand me on the phone. And I think that was because I had a very thick English accent. I don't think it was because I had anything uh, not typical in there, um, other than just being an immigrant to the country that a lot of people don't know the accent of. Uh, you know, when I moved to the US, I didn't know uh, Spanish at all. I didn't know how to say quesadilla. I said quesadilla. Yeah, I know. I said quesadilla. <sighs> so I had issues with that for sure, though I'm sure they'd heard quesadilla before, unfortunately. But um, I had a lot of issues with the way that I spoke. And then when I started to take on the American with the English, sometimes it creates a mix that completely crosses in my brain and I'll just be talking and all of a sudden my brain will break and my mouth will just completely cross and like a sound will come out and this happens not all the time or often but if I'm talking a lot 
and I felt it a couple of times almost happen while talking on this podcast. If I'm talking a lot, kind of streaming my conscience, some conscious, then sometimes um, my brain will just cross the wires and my tongue will almost just get confused or something and not know whether to go left, right, up, down. And I don't know if that's to do with my autism or if it's to do with just being an immigrant. Um, you know, I went from an English to English speaking country with different accents and that was bad enough. You know, I feel, you know, whoever is out there going from a non-speaking English country to an English speaking country, moving there, taking up your whole life and having to learn how to live in that country, I applaud you. It it is so tough and so difficult. And if you're a neurodivergent and didn't know when you moved and now you know, well, ugh, you did it. That was really tough. It was tough for me. And I imagine it's tough for a lot of people out there. So I just wanted to end this episode with if you ever hear anything you don't understand, I don't think that's going to happen. It happens in my real life sometimes. But if um, you notice anything about the way that I talk, if you want to comment on anything or ask me about something, please do contact me. My Instagram is my brain is a wonderland pod. So is my TikTok, my brain is a wonderland pod. My email is my brain is a wonderland pod at gmail.com. And if you like this episode, if you like what you're listening to, please do review this episode, this podcast, wherever you're getting your podcasts. I'm on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major podcast streaming platforms. So please do give me a good review if you're liking what you're listening to. I really appreciate it and I'd really love the feedback. So I'll see you next time on the third episode of My Brain is Wonderland pod. We're going to be talking about how I prepared for a hurricane as a neurodivergent woman. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.